You know, this morning, I don't know if you know, but this series comes from Saddleback Church, right? Uh, Pastor Rick Warren. And um, Pastor Rick uh, prov- provides us these outlines that we should follow, you know, as we kind of accompany the workbooks and stuff. And <clears throat> this week, he focuses on God's goodness. Um, and uh, it's, you know, who do you think you're talking to is really his, kind of, his way of saying, uh, you know, who, who really, do you really know who God is? And the basic premise is at the top of your notes, if you see in the handout. And it's basically this. Your understanding of what God is really like really shapes everything else in your life, including your prayer. Yeah? So, so what your understanding of what God is really like will shape everything in your life, including your prayer. And he wants you to understand that God is a good God. That's why we sang Good, Good Father this morning. And we're going to cover these five implications of what it means to have a really good father, a good God. However, when I was thinking about it this morning and preparing for you uh, what to say, um, I think the particular focus is I wanted, to, I wanted to press upon why we pray in the first place. Because I think the reason for a lot of us, the easy thing to do is you pray because you want something from God. Right? You want to tap into God's power. Um, and what I would love to happen is that the reason why you pray actually shifts from I want something from God to I want a personal relationship with God. I, I want to understand God better. Uh, I want uh, patience and endurance. And uh, I want to really understand his plan for my life. And so that really, to me, is the crux of this week. Is, is, you know, it's so easy for us to pray every time, like, oh, I, I got to pray because uh, my friend is sick or uh, having some struggles at work or school. Um, yeah, that's all good stuff. But then I also would love to be, there to be a transition for us to pray less just because we want something, but more because we want to understand and we, we want to really connect with the Lord. But at the same time, I'm going to be real and know, and, and, and I'll be honest with you that that's not the easiest thing to do, right? Because who doesn't want the genie in a bottle, right? Don't we want to be able to just like uh, ask for something and boom, it, it'd be done. Every year when we have a birthday, that's what we do, right? When you, when you get the candle on the cake, what, is, what are you supposed to do? You make a wish, <laughs> right? Because it's, I think it's innate in humans. We, we, we think like there's something bigger than us that maybe can answer the desires of our heart. But yet, there's something so much more, and that is the relationship with God. And it's hard because God is not physically right there in front of us, right? How, how do we know what God is like if we, we don't really see him? And um, that's why I thought we start this morning by just asking, why is God worth getting to know in the first place. And it's because God is good. God is all-powerful. We know this. God is <clears throat> all-knowing. He knows what was and what is to come. But when you pray only to ask for God for something that you want, I believe we're limiting God to just that power characteristic. Hey, God, we just want your power. And really, God is so much bigger than that. That God is an all-loving God. He's an all-good God. And if uh, God weren't good, 
there might not even be a reason to pray at all. Because if, if God was just this sort of mysterious, all-powerful being that maybe listened to us, maybe didn't, you know, whatever, <clears throat> I don't know if there would be any hope or any reason to, to build a relationship or even pray to God at all. So that's why my hope for you this morning is that if you take one thing away, is that part of your understanding of who God is and how it will change your life and change your prayer life is that you'll grow in this appreciation of God's love and, and, and the relationship he so desperately wants with you. So in your notes, there are going to be five things in there, and we're going to go through this. Uh, it comes from Saddleback, and it kind of got Dave's little spin on it. But the first thing is, you know, God's plans for my life will always be good. And this might seem pretty simple at first, but because we have a good God, his plans are always good for us. And what plan are we talking about? <clears throat> because sometimes it feels like life just happens, right? That there's not necessarily a plan, but we know that with God, there are no accidents. There are no coincidences. That, that God has a plan for your life. When you turn to Jeremiah 29, 11, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, and we know this one. He says, you know, I, I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to harm you or hurt you. My plans will give you hope and a good future. So we got to hold that really closely, I think, because what it tells us is that, you know, Life isn't going to be worry-free. It's not going to be pain-free because that's called heaven, right? So no matter what life throws us, no matter what, uh, what, what tough spots you're in, know that God has a hope and a future for you, a good one for you. And when you check the last part of that verse, it says, and when you call to me and you pray, I will listen to you, God says. I will listen to you. And that tells me that God is a God who's very involved in our life. He's not a God that just sort of like, okay, go for it, figure it out, you know. But really, he's walking alongside us. He, he's listening to us. When we're crying and we're like, God, you know, is this, this is so junk right now how I feel. Or why did this happen to me? Or, or whatever your situation might be, you know. Um, I know single friends of mine are like, you know, how come I cannot find the one? You know, I, I pray to God, what's going on, right? But what this says is, you know what, God has a plan for you. He hears your cries. And as crazy as life seems, or as difficult as it seems right now, dark as it might be, know that God has good plans for you for hope and a future. And, and when you turn to Romans chapter 8, 28, it, it says this. It says, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What, what this says again to me is that there's, there's good and bad that's going to happen in our lives. It's not going to be all perfect. But what God is going to do, he's going to take the good, he's going to take the bad, and he's going to work it all together for your good, for the good plan he has for you. That when you give your life to Jesus and you want God's plan for your life, everything will work together for good. God never promises a perfect life, a pain-free life, but he'll work it all out, no matter what. 
Even when we make bad choices, even when someone does harm to us, God mixes it all together and he promises us that it's going to work out. And then I remember the story of Joseph in the Bible. The story of Joseph, as you might recall, is here's a guy whose own brothers hated him so much that they sold him into slavery. But the story has an amazing ending. Joseph goes from slave to like the number two in command in all of Egypt. And then he's actually used by God to save people from starvation. And in, in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, says this, Your plan was to hurt me. This is Joseph, right? But God turned your evil plan into a good plan to save the lives of many people. See, Joseph knew that no matter how junk his life was, he was a, a enslaved, he was wrongfully accused, right? I mean, he was hated by his own family. But he looks back and says, you know, but God, you had a better plan for my life. And that's the same way I think we got to hold on to as well. we got to hold on to God has a good plan for our life. No matter how confused you are today about your future, no matter how you're wondering why is it the way it is today, how can I feel so junk? It's okay because God is going to have a, he has a better plan for your life and he's going to work everything out. You can count on it. In Romans 5, 3, it says, so we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. And you're like, what do you mean rejoice? <laughs> when life is junk, I don't feel like rejoicing. <laughs> but when you catch this part of the verse, after that it says, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn patient endurance. It's a tough verse, right? I don't always want to be patient. I don't want to always endure God. But I think what it tells us is that God's plan sometimes is when we have patience and endurance, we grow in maturity and we grow in our, in our understanding of his great plan for our lives. Sometimes, you know, I think of ourselves as like little kids. And, you know, as you, if you guys have little kids or you've babysit a little kids, you know they have no vision of the future. They just want what they want right now. And sometimes that's how we are. And when we pray, sometimes I think that's how we pray. You know, God, I, I need this right now. God, I need you to do this now. And God is saying, hey, hey, wait. I need you to grow. I, I need you to think about the whole bigger picture. That's what I have in store for you. Because God is much more interested in our character than he is in our accomplishments. We don't take any of our accomplishments up into heaven, do we? But our character, we do. And yet we spend so much time, and I'm, I'm one of them, <laughs> take so much. I look back and I reflect on things I do, how I spent my life, and I go, what did I accomplish in my life? When in fact, I should be thinking back, said, back in my life and said, how have I grown in my life? How has my character grown? How has God matured me? I, I often slip into the accomplishment thing that I think society has kind of trained us to think that way, yeah? But I think God uses this journey on earth that we're all on for our good. Everything he does in my life is for my good. And although I can't always explain why bad things happen, I can trust that God's promise is that he'll use the bad, he'll use the good, and he'll work it out for a good plan for my life. See, for me personally, uh, you might know, uh, about a decade ago, 
Tammy and I prayed together, and we decided that I was going to accept this offer and go into banking. And I would have never thought Dave Oyamari would have gone into banking. And you know what? I look back on the 10 years, and, and what I was able to do in terms of I can see Joshua, who's 12, grow up, um, was a blessing. What I learned about just the, the discipline, the structure, it, it has been a blessing. And now there's changes going on, and still to this day, and I, I, it's unsettling, but I trust, again, that God's plan for my life is greater than my own, and that even what maybe I can see today. So the second point there, in terms of the implications of, of the goodness of God, is we'll also know God will always give what I need, not what I deserve. And this is a really important point, too, because what we deserve is pretty junk. <laughs> we sin. We, we make mistakes. And so if we get what we deserve, you're going to not get too much good stuff, right? In Psalm 103, verses 10 and 12, it says this, right? It says, God, he has not treated us as we deserve. He has <clears throat> not treated us as we deserve for our sins or paid us back for our wrongs. He has taken our sins away and removed them as far as the east is from the west. When Jesus died on the cross, our, our sins died on that cross. And God forgives us not because we deserved it, because, but he was, he's a good God. And he said, I'm going to forgive you, Dave, even for all that junk stuff, even for that stuff in your head, even for the things that you did, I'm going to forgive you. And I think we've got to receive that. And we've got, re- we got to forgive ourselves even for the things that we've done. We've got to really receive that Jesus has already paid for our sins on that cross. And when we pray, we can pray that, you know, God, I don't deserve anything. I don't really deserve anything that you're going to give me or not give me. I really don't. But I pray that you will give me exactly what I need. Because you say that in Scripture. And it's hard to receive forgiveness. It's hard to give forgiveness, right? When someone does us wrong, uh, the, the first response is not forgiveness. It's often like, I'm going to get you back, man, you know? That's, the, that's a natural human instinct, right? It's like, oh, you know, you do me wrong. I, I, you know, you're going to give it right back. But it's what we're called to is the exact opposite because of God forgiving us. In Psalm 27, 10 to 13, it says this. It says, Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. My enemies are waiting for me to fall, yet I will remain confident that I'll see the goodness of the Lord while I'm living here in the world. Some of you might be people who feel like you're rejected by your parents. You know, maybe there was some hurt or some things going on in your life. Maybe there are those right now who who are working against you. You know, um, knowing that you're a sinner and you're imperfect and they're just waiting for you to mess up, right? We all have that. But we can have confidence that our God is a God of second chances. We can always come to God in confidence that our good God wants us not, not sulking in our failures and, and, and saying, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm abandoned, I'm a failure, whatever, and, or I'm, I'm lonely in my struggles, 
But we can come confidently that in spite of all this, in spite of what's been going on in our lives and our circumstances, God is God. And God will forgive us time and time again. And he's always wants us to come to him. And he's willing to take us back. And he's going to make everything in our life work together for good. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, and this is Jesus, it says, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same temptations that we do. He brought it upon himself, right? Yet he did not sin. Jesus was tempted by the enemy. He knows what we went through. So let us come boldly with confidence to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find the grace to help us when we need it. The fact is we can't hide anything from God because he already knows what we're going through. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temptations. He knows our thoughts that are are the wicked ones too, right? And yet it is through prayer that we can boldly come in confidence to the Lord and receive his grace. And we can come in confidence to know that our good God gives us what we need, not what we deserve. And he, I can go to God and say, God, you know, I, I know I messed up. I, I had that bad thought today or, you know, I was at the UH football game and I was cursing out Rolovich for the third running play in a row. I get it. But I, I can come in confidence and God be like, it's okay, Dave. I get it. It's okay. And the third factor of God's goodness in your notes there is God put, now this, this, when I read this, when, when Pastor Rick wrote this, I actually had to pause, okay? It says, God put my good above his own good. <laughs> God put my good above his own good. And I'm like, this is kind of hearsay. <laughs> what is this, right? But when I really was thinking about what, what Pastor Rick here was talking about, and I think he is being provocative here. But in a nutshell, what he's saying is God's love and goodness is demonstrated to us in his sacrificial love to us and putting, uh, in dying himself for us. And that is the heart of the gospel. The good news is that our King Jesus sacrificed himself for little old David Oyatomari. The, the, the guy, the little Okinawan guy way in Hawaii, you know? And he did the same for each of you. And this is not how it's supposed to go, right? In every other story where there's a kingdom, what happens? People die for the king. People are like, protect the king. Protect the king, you know? The marauders are coming to the castle, and it's like, let's protect the king at all costs. And people will kill, get killed and sacrifice themselves but the only story in the history of humankind is the king sacrifices himself for the people. And in that way, our faith is so fundamentally different from any other theory or religion in the world that even though we sin and we deserve punishment, yet we have a king and a God, the God of the universe, who actually sacrificed himself for us. And that there's nothing we can do in this world to earn God's forgiveness. We can't earn it. We can't go through these 10, eight steps, whatever it is, to earn his forgiveness. He's an all-loving God, and he says, just trust in me. 
believe in me and you're forgiven. And this is truly the amazing love. In John chapter 10, verse 14 to 15, Jesus says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me and I will sacrifice my life for the sheep. I will sacrifice my life for the sheep. And when you imagine this for a second, a couple weeks ago, I made a guy, he was born and raised in New Zealand, and they're saying that there's more sheep in New Zealand than people. (laughs) And I was thinking about this verse and going, so the shepherd would die for a sheep? (laughs) That doesn't make sense at all, but that's what God did, right? And then in John 15, 13, it says, the greatest love a person can show is to die for his friends. The sacrificial love. God loved us so much that he's willing to die for us because he is a good God. In Romans chapter 4, 25, it says, Jesus died for our sins and rose again to make us right with God, filling us with God's goodness. And this is the second part of God's sacrificial love is that part one is he takes away our sins through sacrifice, but part two is he fills us with his goodness so that when we get to heaven, and, and the Father God looks at us, he doesn't see all the junk. He goes, you know, Dave, you know, yesterday. But he looks at us, and he just sees good. Because Jesus had already redeemed that sin that I already created for good. And so he looks at us, and he goes, come on in. Come on in. In Romans 8.32, it says, Since God did not spare even his own son, but gave Christ up for us all, won't he now also give us everything else we need? And here's the point, I think, of this verse. It's really the single biggest problem in our life is actually our separation from God, right? It all started in, in uh, the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were separated from God through sin. But God loves us so much that he'll sacrifice everything to bring us back into relationship with him. So let's get us to our fourth implication here in your notes. It says, he does not say yes to every request. A good God does not say yes to every request. And this one is also a tough one, right? And Pastor Max spoke about this one before. God sometimes says no, because it's not right what we're asking for. Sometimes we think it's right, but God, in his wisdom, looks at us and says, no, that, that, that's not it. And, and the example I have, and sorry, Josh, I'm going to use Josh, but Josh would say, Dad, I want to go play a Fortnite video game, can I? And I go, you got homework? Yep. No. <laughs> but because I'm a good, loving father, I tell Josh, no. Josh may not feel that all the time. Sometimes God says, slow, meaning it might be the right thing, but there's a different timing. God says, not now. I'm going to give that to you, but not now. And sometimes God says, grow, meaning might be the right thing. The timing might be good, but Dave, I want you to mature and grow first. There's something I want you to sort of develop spiritually first, and then I'll give it to you. And then sometimes God says, go, meaning it's the right thing, it's the right time, You're ready for it, Dave? Go. And this is laid out well in in Luke chapter 11, verses 11 for 13, right? 
and, and, and I think Mark had just alluded to this. He said, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish to eat, would you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you, as sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Our good God will never answer our prayer with something hurtful or bad for us. And His answers uh, will be for what's good at the right time and when we're ready to receive it. And for my only son, Josh, right, I would just do about anything for him, you know. If you ask Tammy, whenever I see Josh has a need, like, like I think, oh, he could use this. What's my first thing? Amazon, <laughs> you know. And I buy something on Amazon, and boom, and it's done. I feel like, yes. Or like, he needs new shirts or, you know, stuff. There's a sale at Land's End, and boom, that's what I do. Or maybe like once I saw that Josh needed a mechanical pencil, and so I went to Fisher, and I bought Josh six mechanical pencils, you know. And, and in the same way, you know, I think like our Father in Heaven wants to bless us. He wants to give us things that he sees that we need. But sometimes, because we don't have God's wisdom, we ask for things that we don't realize what we're really asking for. You know, in, in, in the Bible, it also talks about the mother of James and John, who are two of the, the 12 disciples that Jesus has called. And the mom, who seems like a really good mom, she asked Jesus, you know, Lord, when you get to your kingdom of heaven, can my boys sit on either side of you? Okay. And this is in Matthew 20, 22, chapter 20, verse 22. And Jesus replies to the mom, right? He's got to think, wow, what a great mom this is, you know? But he, he says to her, you don't realize what you're asking for. And many times, I think God wants to say that to you. He wants to say that to me. That there are times we're asking for something, and it's a good thing, we think, and God says, do you know what you're asking for here? Sometimes he just wants to say, no. You're not ready for, to receive that, or maybe that's not right for you. And in those moments when God does not say yes to our prayer, no matter how noble we think it is or how good we think it is and how humble we've come before God, if he says no, we have to trust in his wisdom. We have to trust in his good plans for our life. That he's still God, no matter if the prayers that we ask for and what we want go unanswered. It's hard. And I think that song we sang this morning, the Good, Good Father song, is so meaningful to me because we're always searching for answers. And the point of the song to me is we're searching for answers, but he's still the good father, no matter what. And in the end, again, he's after our character, not the accumulation of stuff. And when our faith gets challenged, sometimes it's easier for us to just walk away from God, quite frankly. When we get really challenged and we don't hear the answers and, and we're not getting what we want, sometimes the easy thing is just to be like, you know what, I'm out, man. This, this God thing is not working anymore. Maybe I'm not good enough and maybe that's why God's not answering my prayers or maybe I don't know how to pray or, or something like that might creep into your thoughts. But I would tell you that it's when those moments happen in your life that you feel like walking away and you feel so distant from God, that's exactly when you're growing. 
That's when your faith is being challenged. That's when you're maturing. Because that's when God is going to really start pouring into you. So don't miss that. When you feel dry and empty and like God's not there with you, that's exactly when he's working through you. Because if everything was super good in your life, there would be no room for faith. You would just pray and bing, it'd be there. And you're like, oh, that was easy. Where's the faith in that? The genie in the bottle can do that. We pray because God is good. And we trust in whatever outcome, no matter, matter if it's invisible to us, but trust that God has a good plan for our lives. And we can't, we can't know that we'll have a pain-free life. God is not the cosmic dispensary of Tylenol, right, as I say. He's not a quick fix. He's not going to make our lives comfortable, but he'll make it good. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 through 9, God says, My thoughts are completely different from yours. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, this is why God doesn't always answer our prayers as we would want him to. We we're praying at one level, and God's up here. And there were times in my previous job, I prayed for God to release me to a new job because it was really tough going, man. It was tough. But God kept me there for two long years. <laughs> and, and when I reflect on that experience, it truly positively changed the way I interact with people at work today because God had a higher plan for me. And the fifth thing, and this is the amazing thing about God's goodness, is he invites us to live with him forever. I'm going to leave you with two verses with regard to this. In first verse in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 through 17, it says, Our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father, who loves us, has given us by his grace an everlasting encouragement and a good hope that will last forever. May this encourage your heart and give you strength for every good thing you do and say. God's goodness lasts with us forever. Sometimes it's easy for us to get stuck in the here and now. And the here and now is not so good, and we can find ourselves dwelling on the not so good situation we're in. But what this verse says to me is that when we place our focus on eternity, the forever, and the goodness and hope for our lives just beyond here on earth, we'll find strength to rise above whatever we're going through today. See, the second part of this is that it, it, this encourages us to also, I think, be good witnesses to the people who see us and, and they'll see Christ in us because they'll see that you're going through a rough patch in life. And where you, when you're going through a struggle in life and it's, it's pretty difficult, it's when you can have that eternal view of God's good plan for your life, they wonder, what is that that you have? What is that peace that you have? How can you transcend that situation you're in? And you can say, well, because I have trust and faith that God has a good plan for my life. 
in spite of this stuff that's going on, it's going to work out. I know it's going to work out. And when that happens, you can rejoice. You can say, yep, it's because God is good. In Psalm 23, 6, it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Remember, see, that it feels like this life on earth feels like a long time. It feels like, in many ways, like, oh, we live here a long time. But our life truly with the Lord is eternity. If you look, I was telling Josh, if you look at, at, if you drew a line for eternity on the wall, right, our life on earth is just a scratch on that line. And so oftentimes when I have young people who ask me for advice at work or wherever, I will tell them, you know, you're early in your career. Just, just absorb, be a sponge, learn what you, whatever you can, get as much tools in your tool belt because you have so much further to go in your career. And then I think about it. I say, but that's, that's true for us old people too. <laughs> because you think, oh yeah, well, I'm at the you know, second half of my life now. But really, it's just a scratch in eternity. And if you had this long-term view, then we would continue to be learning and absorbing and trying to understand God more and more each day. What does he want to show me? What patience is he trying to teach me in this situation? It's some endurance. What wisdom is God trying to impart to me? So in summary today, you guys, um, my hope today was to share another perspective of why you pray. It's not just to pray when you want something and you're trying to tap into the power of God. But my hope is that as I shared with you the goodness of God in these five things today, that part of prayer it's just to enjoy that relationship with the Lord. And as you understand what God is really like, it will change your life, including how you pray. And that our God is definitely worth getting to know because he is a really good, good father. And when you embrace this eternal perspective that God is, is a good God, he has a good plan for your life. He's going to work out everything for your good, right? And that he'll give you exactly what you need, not what you deserve. He does it out of sacrificial love for you. Now your prayers are going to be much more passionate, much more purposeful, and your prayers are going to have power. So that's the why to pray. And in these next series that we're going to be talking about up here and in your small groups, it's going to focus on the how. How then do we pray? If that's the why, that I'm, I'm praying because I've got a good, good father who has a good plan for me, who died for me, right? who gives me what I need, who wants to meet me in eternity and be with me in eternity. Now we're going to say, okay, how do we do that? Teach me how I do that. And that's why if you got to be plugged into a small group because that's where it's going to come from. That's why you got to come back every Sunday because we'll be talking about that right here from up here. 
And it's going to unlock, I think, God's power, His peace, His purpose, and His plan for your life. Anytime God wants to do something really great in your life, in your family, uh, in your job, in your community, in your church, in our state, in our nation, one thing is always clear. He He starts by motivating His people to pray. It always starts with prayer. So your family is counting on you. Your workplace is counting on you. And as a church, our state, our nation is counting on us to pray. It's becoming clearer and clearer to me as I I, I pick up things in the media that our, our nation needs God more than ever. And good things are going to happen when God's people come together to start praying. You stand with me as we we close. So, you know, you guys, I I get it. It's it's not easy to pray. Um, Some of you may want to go to the bathroom so you can go pray at the bathroom. (laughs) Whatever your thing is, you know, I get it. It's, it's not easy. I'm right there with you. I, I might be speaking up here, but I don't come up here saying, like, I got it all figured out. I'm a prayer warrior. No, I'm not. But I think when you look through what we're saying this morning, and we look about the goodness of God, let's just take a little small step and say, God, all right, I just want to understand you more. I want to build that knowledge and relationship about who you are so you can change my life. That God, I, I don't want to just come to you when I have something that I want. It could be just two seconds a day, a minute. That's all it takes. I think it'll be a blessing to, to you and it'll make God smile. And bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, good, good Father. Oh, we uh, thank you for the word this morning. Thank you for like just convicting me, God. God, I I, I just want to acknowledge that you have good plans for each one of us here this morning. Not plans to harm us, but plans to give us a hope and a future, Lord. God, I thank you that you give us what we need, not what we deserve. And Father God, we thank you that, that you put our own good above your own. That it's a sacrificial love. God, that sometimes you tell us no, not now, or that's not the right thing, because you know what's best for us. And finally, God, I just thank you that you're a God that invites us to walk into eternity with you. And may we always have that eternal view, and not the view of just the here and now. And so may we receive those words, Lord, and may everyone here this morning step out in, in a different kind of prayer a prayer that is beyond just what we want from you as a genie in the bottle, but that we pray that you're the good Father. Receive that now. In Jesus' name, amen.